This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the TGT Stadium. Thank you so much for being part of this episode of the Guna Talks, the Arsenal Transfer Show. Hope you're doing good. Hope you're doing well. It's fine Wednesday morning. You are one day away from the release of the All or Nothing series to get an exclusive look behind the scenes of Arsenal Football Club in 2021-22. Uh, I have been holding my tongue for some time uh, and I promise not to reveal any spoilers today, but I am going to be able to talk about some uh, of the stuff, but I am not going to ruin anything for you. So before you go, no, don't talk about it and click off the video. Don't worry. I will spare you uh, the spoilers, but uh, we're going to have a little chat about some of the stuff that's been happening over the last week that I haven't been able to talk about uh, and some more, uh, which I'm looking forward to. Embargoes and stuff stop you from from talking about things that you have to respect, obviously. Um, But thank you so much for joining me. Do subscribe. Do drop a like on the video. Do also join us and say good morning to everybody in the chat box. Good morning, everyone here. PJ, thank you for joining me. Uh, I got your message about not calling you Peter. I promise I won't do that again other than just then. Simon, good morning to you, to Olu, to Steve. Hope you're doing good, guys. Colton, Stevie, L-double-Adza, uh, Kevin, Aiden, uh, NSW, good morning, guys. Stephen, uh, clear away, Dave, answer, uh, Amos, Peter. Uh, we've got Anthony and Ryan and Harvey and Gareth as well, and Manu, uh, and the class of 03, uh, which makes me feel ridiculously old. But thank you so much, guys, for tuning in. Hope you're doing good. In fact, no, the class of 03, surely that would be... That would make me feel younger, right? So I'm pretty sure I was like the class of 2013. So maybe you're 37. That's my guess. If I'm wrong, then let me know. (laughs) I hope you're doing good. I hope you're doing well. And uh, without further ado, let's crack on with today's news. Uh, As always, please do go and subscribe over at the Arsenal Way. Uh, We smashed past 25,000 subs and we're now on our way to 30,000. Considering we started the channel yet less than a year ago. It's been quite the journey that we've had, so thank you for the continued support. I did a show yesterday evening talking about the changes at Arsenal in the transfer market, looking specifically at the successes and failures of the previous regime and how Arsenal have changed the way in which they've recruited, how they've changed the way they spend money in the market, uh, specifically looking at kind of the recruitment side of transfers. Another show will be, of course, talking about what still needs to be done in the sales area of Arsenal. Um, but certainly what we've done is is gone for a very in-depth look at the last, well, 20, 15 years of since KSE was first involved way back in 20, uh, 2007. So if you do enjoy that sort of thing, I encourage you to go give it a watch. It took a lot of work to put together and it's the last upload on this channel. Lots of opinions flying about, lots of disagreements in the comment section, but that's what we love because we're all for differing opinions on the channel. Now, Lucas Torreira has moved to Galatasaray. It's just slightly delayed because 
because uh, he's still apparently deciding wholeheartedly whether or not this is the right move for him. Galatasaray are a little bit angsty because they think they're getting a very good deal and want this deal to be completed as quickly as feasibly possible to avoid any other teams from hijacking the deal. This is really good for Arsenal, whatever happens, because either Arsenal are going to get a fee from Galatasaray or, of course, another team might come in and bid a higher amount and convince Torreira to move elsewhere. Whatever happens, it looks as though Torreira is on his way out and a decision will be made and finalised. But all of the sources coming out of Turkey seem to think that the Galatasaray deal is, is effectively done. That said, there is still waiting for confirmation from this side of things to say that it's very much complete and a done deal. But we'll keep you updated on that one. Uh, Pablo Marie is closing on a loan to Monza. Uh, the structure of that deal, there's still a little bit of confusion about what this deal is. However, Football Italia released a report where they claim the expectation is that this will be a loan to Monza, uh, of which if they manage to stay up in Serie A next season, that they will have to have an obligatory purchase clause in Marie's deal. So if they go back down, they won't have to buy him. But if they stay up, Marie will remain a player of uh, Monza for the following season. Now, Bern Leno has officially now left the club, and this caused quite a stir uh, yesterday because the full breakdown of the deal was revealed originally by David Ornstein, and that caused quite the uh, it, caused, it caused quite the drama um, because only three million pounds is being paid up front. Now, one million pounds is then added in terms of Premier League appearances, two million pounds more if Fulham stay in the Premier League, and two million more again if they stay up for a second successive season, totaling, of course, that eight million pounds. Arsenal only getting three million quid up front for Burton Leno is, frankly, ridiculously small. It's it's a stupidly low fee for a player of Leno's quality. He's a very decent goalkeeper. Don't get me wrong. I want to see a goalkeeper with distribution at Arsenal that Leno doesn't necessarily have. But three million is a joke. Now, what I would say is, of course, that a lot of the players that leave every club and that move around the transfer window, their deals are split up into the likes of add-ons and fees and there's stagnated figures and when those fees will be paid. So for instance, when we paid, you know, 30 million for Odegaard and I think around 2 million pounds on top of that was add-ons, that 30 million pounds would have been structured uh, and Real Madrid would have received part of that 30 million pounds at different stages of his time at Arsenal. Now, this is slightly different, obviously, where the 3 million pounds is said to be up front with then the extras coming in bonuses, but it's still a ridiculous, Ridiculous price uh, for a player of Leno's quality and Fulham will be laughing. It is a little strange to me, of course, that no one else has really come in, especially considering he was available for that kind of figure. However, there is the fact that Leno wanted to stay in London um, and that obviously led to this deal being agreed. I think Arsenal felt in the case of Leno that he'd been a very good servant for the three to five years. I think it was five years in the end uh, he was at the club and... (sighs) Yeah, no, it wasn't five years. must have been three. He joined in, what, 28? Um, 2018-19 so 2019 was when Nicolas Pepe arrived so yeah 2018 four years four years that he's been at the club Um, I, I, I can't get my head around still why it's so low it just is but at the same time yeah what are we going to do? We move on and hopefully Arsenal can start to sell players more successfully in the future uh, once we've moved on this surplus talent that we've had 
for some time. Uh, but there you go. Now, Charlie Patino will be leaving on loan this summer. George Bird broke this exclusive uh, that he'll be leaving for uh, Blackpool uh, this season in the championship. Good move for him. Didn't work out necessarily so well for Tyrese John Jules when he went to Blackpool on loan, but the clubs do have a very decent relationship and hence why they've been able to storm in and get their hands on Patino. This, for me, feels a little bit... Um, it feels a little bit like this indicates a potential open... Uh, openness to Arsenal signing a central midfielder. I know that there's been a few people that have come out on socials yesterday and said that that isn't the case. But I have a feeling that there is more to this than meets the eye in regards to Arsenal uh, and the hope that they would bring in a central midfielder this window. Because Patino is very much seen as kind of the closest thing in the youth side to a central midfield option to the senior team. And they would have wanted to give him opportunities next season had he have stayed. To be honest, with him now going on loan, they feel as though that the opportunities would not have been there for him. And that, for me, is a big indication that I think Arsenal are expecting to strengthen still in central midfield. Uh, Patino, though, uh, going on loan to, to Blackpool, individually just focusing on that, is going to be a great opportunity for him to hopefully play regular football at a very decent level for his age group. He's bulked up. He's got more physical. That will help him deal with, uh, help him deal with the physicalities of the championship. And of course, we'll keep you up to date with how he gets on across his time in the championship with the North West Club, because uh, it's an exciting player. We all know that. He joins Marcelo Flores, who's gone on loan, Agungbo, Okonkwo. Uh, we've sent quite a few players, uh, Rekic, of course, and Mika Biereth too. A lot of players that were part of that under-23 squad from last season has gone on loan this time around. So uh, really intrigued, uh, very intrigued at all, uh, completely about where we might see Patino next season. Uh, now, Memphis Depay is expected to leave Barcelona this summer. The reason why I've included this is because when we did our show the other day on Nicolas Pepe and the potential replacements to play in that wide forward position, I used Memphis Depay as one of the better options from a financial point of view. Now, I think the fact that he might leave Barcelona on a free where there's negotiations going on to try and cancel his contract at Barca probably makes this deal more tricky for the Gunners. I wouldn't want to see Memphis Depay sign on anything more than a one-year deal. And I wouldn't want to see him, to be honest, sign anything more than a loan deal if it was anything less than that. I think that Depay can add quality for a season and provide cover in a year that there isn't too much in terms of depth of quality out there on the market to bring in for what Arsenal are looking for. But if you said that we were going to add some strength in depth for a season, I would you know, I would bring him in for that year to add something to the forward line. But I can't commit to say that signing him on a free deal would be worth it because one, it would be ridiculously expensive in terms of wages and signing on fee. And you're going to commit more so to, you know, those extra years that he would have to be here for. Had it have been a loan, as me and Drew talked about the other day, we would have been open to the idea. But the idea of signing him on a free uh, would be more, would probably be, you know, for, for several years. And his wage wage packet would be ridiculously high as well. So not for me now and certainly not on a free. Yuri Tielemans, Ben Jacobs reporting yesterday, who has been the resident reporter on the Tielemans news, that Leicester are expecting that a bid will come in in the very near future for Yuri Tielemans, be that from Arsenal or Manchester United, it's yet to be seen. Arsenal have so far not put a bid in for the player, uh, despite reports way back in like June, this deal was supposedly advanced. It might be advanced with a player, but it's never been advanced between the two clubs. Arsenal still waiting to place a bid 
with him. Um, but there is an expectation, it seems, growing at Leicester that that bid will be coming in very, very soon indeed. So watch this space and we'll keep updating you with any news that drops on the Belgian midfielder. Now, Edu spoke to the media and talked about transfers last night as he attended the Amazon All or Nothing documentary. Really excited to see, of course, uh, what you guys think of that. And we'll talk a little bit a little bit more about that in a second. But Edu basically turned around and said that he's looking, of course, to hopefully finish the window strong and they're hoping to complete the window like they planned. Um, Mikel Arteta uh, and Fabrizio Romano have also been speaking about this. Fabrizio said it will take some time, but I'm sure Arsenal will be busy in August with one or two more signings. It depends on the opportunities for the outgoings. And we are, of course, expecting those outgoings to go through. Um, Edu said specifically, I so I think so far we were doing quite well and I hope we finish uh, the transfer season the way we have planned it. Uh, Edu also added by saying, first of all, I always have in front of me in his office the squad because I dream for every squad every day I sit in my chair. I'm seeing there, I'm just working myself and how we can improve, how you can be better, he told the Independent. So some interesting stuff from Edu. Uh, I look forward to hopefully seeing his plan come to fruition before the window finishes. We'll have to wait and see if it indeed does happen. Now, and uh, a quick thank you to FK from Latte Firm for tweeting out this image because uh, it gives me uh, easy access to, to see what was going on. Uh, my colleague Kai Karnak attended the premiere last night for us from Football.London. Um, the All or Nothing premiere was a good success. I hear they watched the first two episodes whilst there. Uh, you will, of course, see all three of the first episodes from Thursday. Still waiting to get clarification about when that's going to drop, whether it'll be midnight or later. Uh, I'm expected to find that out a little bit later today if it's not already come out. But uh, hopefully it was something that was asked last night that we can get some clarification on. I'll keep you updated via Twitter. Um but I, I have now, I can actually now reveal that I have seen the first three episodes uh, of the series. And for those that are in, you know, in the know a little bit, uh, I went to the Arsenal training ground last week to sit down with Aaron Ramsdale and uh, a whole host of, of other colleagues in the media uh, to talk about the All or Nothing series and get his thoughts on what he hopes the fans will see. I've written a review that includes some of the quotes from that interview with Aaron Ramsdale over on football.london. You can find more quotes that will be coming out from our other writers on that discussion as well. There's more to come next week on other things that I still can't unfortunately talk about. Um, but what I can talk about is, of course, the first three episodes. As I said, I won't be spoiling anything. So don't panic and click away. I'm not going to spoil anything for you. Um, but what I will say is that you are in for a treat. You are in for seeing some really good behind-the-scenes stuff for this series. Mikel Arteta, of course, features very, very heavily in it. There's some really interesting kind of um, processes and, and tactical methods that are, in some cases, successful, as you will see, and in other cases, not so successful. There's a lot of trial and error in some cases. They're more of kind of the unorthodox styles to deal with the pressures of playing rather than the actual tactics. There's some really interesting stuff regarding the tactics of how Mikel Arteta wants his team to play. The North London derby uh, technique he uses is very, very fun. Uh, you'll have to wait and see what that is, but that's really exciting to go and watch what he does for the North London derby. We did get an inkling as to what happened with the North London derby when it actually did happen all the way back, you know, last year. But uh, you see that in full flow. So that's that's really good. Um, 
I was a bit disappointed with how quickly it kind of jumps into the season. There's not loads regarding kind of the summer transfer window that isn't covered massively. You do see Edu talking a bit about it. And obviously, I won't say what's what's talked about or how he talks about it. But you do see that. Um so, yeah, I was a bit disappointed how kind of quickly it jumps into the season, how quickly it jumps through the first few games. And what it makes it very clear is that the second half, or more than just the second half, probably the second two-thirds, oh, right, not just the second two-thirds, but just the two-thirds at the end, um, it focuses more on the back half of the season. So, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be interesting. I'm not spoiling it at all. I'm not giving you any details about what's said, what's done. Um, I'm not spoiling anything. I don't. When people talk about spoiler-free things, we're just talking about things in general. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a really good series. And uh, I hope that you're going to enjoy watching it. Um, uh, yeah, but anyway, it was really good to sit down uh, and hear from Aaron Ramsdale. He was more serious, you know, than I expected. Uh, and to be honest, that's kind of the first time I've been in that scenario. And to be honest, I do. I think it's important that in these kind of moments, I say again, a massive thank you to everybody in the channel, because it was crazy kind of sitting in that room amongst, you know, people who are now contemporaries who I have a lot of respect for that we've, you know, spoken with on the channel, the likes of, you know, James Benj and Charles Watts and, um, you know, Simon Collins, who you know, I've really looked up to in terms of a lot of their work. So to sit in a room and have a chat with them and, and talk with them and see that two years ago, I was literally teaching, you know, I was teaching, which I loved. And don't get me wrong. Um, at the same time, love being in a classroom and, and teaching, but the wider context of that job was why I obviously wanted to leave it. But to go from, you know, two years ago, sitting in a classroom to two years ago, sitting at London Colney, you know, in the Arsenal press room, just I, all I can say to people is if, you, if you're unhappy with what you're doing, just do as much as you can to, to try and, and push yourself. Take risks, jump, you know, do everything you need to do. I'm not going to do the whole Molly May thing and go, just be happy or just get a better job, you know, all that. But, you know, just as, as best you can, if you think you can take a risk, if you think you can move towards something that you enjoy, do it um, and, and do everything that you can to try and do that because it, it, it you know it might work out it might work out so it means a lot thank you for all the support if it wasn't for the channel and everybody that watches there'd be no way that i'd be doing what i do now um so yeah thank you guys for the continued support as always and i hope that you enjoy the first three episodes i've not seen you know episodes four and beyond um but uh i look forward to watching that alongside all of you uh hopefully uh i've got my stag do this weekend and i was going to put out kind of a pre-recorded bit of content breaking down the first three episodes once they are out not spoiling anything um so yeah uh, who's molly may <laughs> those that know who i'm talking about um there's like a famous meme clip of her basically saying to just 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 get just earn more money or whatever it, i can't remember exactly what she said <laughs> something really kind of insensitive and silly just with no understanding of people's life situation um yeah there we go that's all of today's stories and news we're going to jump into the chat box and take some of your questions uh so please please do uh, throw in as many as you like uh of which hopefully i can answer all of them uh thank you for listening if you haven't done so already drop a like on the video and subscribe if you're new and we'll be back after this very short break Let's go to uh, <laughs> Steve. You've spoiled all or nothing for me. I never expected to be in for a treat or see behind the scenes footage. Thanks a lot, Tom. 
<laughs> Look, you know, I didn't I didn't think that was a spoiler. <laughs> you were gonna see things behind the scenes. Um, but yeah, very interesting indeed. Um yes, Ben, it is absolutely true that I do have 25 hours in the day. <laughs> uh let's go and scroll up the chat a little bit more let's go to face what do i teach i teach i used to teach geography uh and let's go to uh paul says the liverpool prep is online already yes okay so that's one thing i suppose i can talk about because they've released the clip um that's not a spoiler uh unless you've obviously not seen it if you haven't maybe close your ears for 30 seconds but when I was uh, in the interview with Aaron Ramsdale, uh, he was asked a question about that. Um, and he basically was like, I don't think the speakers will be coming out again. Because, <laughs> of course, that's that preluded the 4-0 defeat um, to, to Liverpool. It was a tactic that was, you know, tried to help with the pressure of that moment. But it didn't work. You know, we we, we lost that game. And to be honest, it was, you know, I'll tell, or I, I look at personally for that game as, as a big factor in why we didn't, perform better because he lost his head you know he lost his call and and uh, you know you'll see the fallout from that uh in the dressing room after the game so uh i won't spoil what happens in that but you you'll see the the fallout from that so yeah it's uh that, that it was funny hearing what ramsdale said you know about that and uh yeah it's <laughs> it was not a tactic that worked at all uh namdi says tom what were what were we expecting there seemed to be an aura of desperation eliminating uh from eliminating emanating do you mean from arsenal concerning departures clubs will take advantage of it wouldn't they referring to the leno deal no of course i don't think i was expecting arsenal to you know pull off some massive sales this summer i was hoping we'd pull off some sales at a decent price you know i think that there are still some players that might leave at a decent figure, but we've not really done that so far. I mean, 10 million euros for Torreira after we agreed a 10, 15 million euro option with Fiorentina, not great. Leno, 3 million up front in an 8 million pound deal, not great. Pablo Marie on loan with an obligation of which we don't really know the amount as of yet. A lot more loans. Nuno Tavares' loan I like, and the fact it's not got an option, I also like that as well. But... Bellerin doesn't look like he's going to earn us very much. Ainsley Maitland-Niles, we've heard next to nothing about that deal. Um, I think a Premier League team is going to get a very decent player in in Maitland-Niles for a certain level for a, in context of the fee that I think they're going to get him for. So we'll see. Pepe is the only one that was obviously going to bring us in a big fee. And he, if anything, looks more like staying at this stage. So it's about, you know, when the whole sales department needs to improve for Arsenal that's going to happen in one two three years time when we've obviously overhauled the squad and the players that we sell are the players that are coming through the ranks and that are no longer surplus to requirements you know if we ever look to sell Tavares or sell Lokonga uh, if we ever look to sell uh, Miguel Aziz or you know some of these other play youth players that are coming through that aren't going to get a look in really that's when you've got a hope that we start to sell better. But when you see Malang Sar, you know, being sold by Chelsea for like 12 million euros, that, that's a frustration. They got him for free, of course. So they've made profit on him still. Um, but we'll see. Hopefully things change. Uh, Yasin says, uh, could you do a prediction on which players we will register in our active 25-man squad ahead of the season? We don't have to register them yet, to my understanding. Um, they will be the registration happens towards the end of the transfer window because, of course, if it was registering if it was registering now, um, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to sign anyone. So I'm pretty sure that happens uh, at the end of the transfer window. Uh, Sam says, "I read that a team in Germany are looking at Pepe and Nelson, unknown clubs. Any news on that? No, sorry, Sam, I can't give you any info. Uh, I would if I've heard about it." 
Uh, ben says, who is getting more goals and assists this season, Saka, Martinelli or Erdegaard? And will it be close? I would expect it to be Saka. Um, you know, in a conversation we had the other day, uh, Harry Simeu was talking on Highbury Squad. I think it was Harry Simeu that pointed out that Gabriel Jesus's kind of involvement means that Saka isn't the only one that opposition sides need to lock down now. You know, you've got Jesus who moves. He's got great movement, uh, great timing of his runs, and of course, is a massive threat. So because teams now have to try and lock down not only Bakaya Saka, but, but Jesus, that should open up more spaces for Saka. So I think Saka will have a more effective season than he did last year. So if he's not in your fantasy team, I'd probably say get him in there, especially because he's a penalty taker as well for Arsenal right now, uh, which is, you know, he's in mine. <laughs> so uh, maybe it's a differential that you need. Supercat says, isn't 50 million for Mark Kukure extremely overpriced? It seems unreasonably high. Well, of course, Brighton managed to sell Ben White to us for 50 million and they rate Mark Kukure as our better talent than uh, Ben White. I think contextually, is Mark Kukure a better left wing back than Ben White is a right-sided centre-back in the Premier League. It's close. I think Kukurea is probably slightly higher rated um, and is worth, if if Ben White's going for 50 million, Brighton have an absolute right to demand more. And if they get someone buying him for that amount of money, then clearly he was worth that because a player's value is determined by what people are willing to pay for them. And if Chelsea are willing to pay that amount of money for Kukurea, that is what he's worth. Interesting as well to hear that they're going in for Frankie de Jong Manchester United uh, having an absolute mare from the sounds of things. Uh, Dan says, don't listen to anything Tom says about FPL. Hey, look, I had a bad season. I understand that. And FPL is not my bread and butter. And also, Dan, I think you've got like three Spurs players every single time you do fantasy. So, you know, who who's talking about fantasy? Axel says, uh, why do we not utilize the loan market with options and obligations? Could be smart when searching for expensive wingers. Uh, left centre-backs and backup strikers. And on Vardy to Man United, would you take him? Actually, what I would say is, and I would ask the question, who are you getting on loan with an obligation to buy for Arsenal this season that genuinely improves us? I think it's a tough question. I don't think there are too many players out there that we could get on a loan with an option or an obligation to buy this summer because loans with options tend to happen at smaller, lower levels of players that are either with potential or players that are you know, on the decline. You don't tend to see these players unless it's within Italy, which happens quite a lot. Manuel Locatelli, for instance. But outside of that and across borders, especially, it's it's tough to find those deals for players that we need that are going to give us the quality on a loan with an option. Because why would a club agree to that kind of deal? It's a bit of a strange one. But perhaps you've got some examples you can throw to me in the chat box, Axel. So feel free. Uh, Ojo says, who will be our worst player this season and who will be our new scapegoats? Good question. I don't like thinking about who's going to be the worst. I, I have said for some time, I think Smith Rowe is going to have a, a difficult season. I don't think that's fair to say he'll be the worst player, but I think he's going to struggle for more game time compared to last season. Who will be the worst player? Um, you know, the worst can be the the, the worst of a, of a good bunch. And I'm hoping that's what it is. If the likes of any of our surplus players like Maitland-Niles, Bellerin, Marie, whoever ends up staying, you'd probably point to one of those guys, potentially Pepe, um, because you don't know how many minutes he's going to get, but maybe he'll do really well in the Europa League. I hope he does. Cedric, Scrubber Steve points out, will Cedric contextually have the worst season? Maybe. Uh, we'll have to wait and see. Um, but in terms of who will be the new scapegoat, Xhaka will continue to be a scapegoat because that's what he's become, unfortunately, at Arsenal. Um I have a worrying feeling that Bakaya Saka could become that in some ways if he doesn't perform. 
Uh, and Ben White, I think, is probably the obvious candidate to be a scapegoat because he's got the whole Saliba situation. Um, so, yeah. But I think Ben White is going to have another strong season like he did last season. So I look forward to seeing that for sure. Uh, Half South African says, what is the point of keeping Pepe opposed to terminating his contracts like others before him if he isn't expecting to play much of a role this season? You know, to terminate someone's contract, you have to mutually agree with the player to terminate that deal. Um, and I don't really see that happening. <laughs> you know, why Pepe would do that, I'm not so sure. Uh, he's on a, a big, big wage of £140,000 per week across the next two years. So you're looking at doing some quick maths on my calculator. Uh, 140000 times 104. £15 million to terminate his contract, 14.5, to terminate Pepe's deal. Like especially when you can get some fee for Pepe, I think that would be mad to, to consider terminating his contract. That would be far, far too expensive and wouldn't be the right move. I don't think there are a glut of right-wingers out there that we can replace him with that are worth, you know, not only investing in, but terminating Pepe's deal. If we can move Pepe on, then perhaps. But even then, I don't see lots of wingers out there that are going to be the best options for us this summer. And it might be better that we wait another year we don't panic in the market and instead we wait and bring in someone that is a genuine upgrade on what we've got for the first 11. It's very difficult when you've already got Bakaya Saka here and you've already got Gabriel Martinelli and Vieira and Smith Rowe here to find a player that is going to you know, improve things, that's going to want to come, that's going to get plenty of minutes and going to be a worthy investment this summer. All of those factors make this very, very difficult at the moment. Um, Rich Connor says, Tom, I'm worried about Smith Rowe. You've said you think he'll struggle for game time. Is there a risk he could be scapegoated? Obviously, I think it's important to define what a scapegoat is. For me, a scapegoat is often someone who is targeted for a lot of the blame when actually the blame is unilaterally more spread throughout the team, but they become a bit of a lightning rod for criticism. I think Ben White has suffered that because, of course, William Saliba was sent on loan and we bought White instead. And a lot of Arteta's biggest critics saw that and thought, well, here we go. Here's an opportunity. Uh, we're going to go for Ben White. When Ben White, in my view, had a very strong season last season, he upgraded that area of the game. He upgraded what we get from that right-sided centre-back position, especially in terms of distribution. And I look forward to seeing him and Saliba compete for a place in the squad this year. I think White's going to be an important candidate for the right-back slot with Tommy Asu's fitness always in question. Um, Smith-Rowe being scapegoated, whilst I mentioned it a second ago in reflection, I don't necessarily think so because I think for his struggles is going to be more to do with regular game time. I think that's that's kind of the biggest issue with Smith Rowe is that you've got Martinelli that's going to start, I think, most of the Premier League games. Smith Rowe should be coming on as an impact sub in those games and start most of the Cup games and the Europa League games. But I think, you know, with injuries, with the rotation that's going to be needed, with the World Cup that we've got, Smith Rowe might not end up going to the World Cup, whereas Martinelli, I think, will. So you've got a player that's going to be able to keep his fitness. And probably after the World Cup finishes, you'll see Smith-Rowe maybe start more games as Martinelli still kind of recovers uh, from that time away with his national side. So it's going to be an intriguing season how that World Cup impacts things and how teams react when it's over. It's going to be a frustrating time. Of course, there's football to enjoy over the course of the World Cup. But not having Arsenal is always a big, big pain. A big, big pain. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's going to be an intriguing winter. That's for sure. The first game is actually on my birthday of the World Cup. And uh, I think we get back underway in Premier League football on Boxing Day. So, lots to come this season. Uh, Guna Legend says, do you think LT will go to Galatasaray? I can't see it happening personally. Seems a strange one. As I said when we were covering the news, it appears that all of the sources out in Turkey think this is pretty much done. 
Fabrizio Romano tweeted this morning that, you know, there is a, they're kind of still waiting for Torreira's green light on the deal. I think that he's hoping that anyone, that someone's going to come in. I think this deal has definitely been leaked from the players' side and that they're hoping that another team sees this potential deal and swoops in to try and grab him from the likes of Italy or Spain. That's what I'm hoping will happen because it could potentially raise the price of Torreira as well. Let's see. Uh, but he could still go to Galatasaray. It still seems very possible that that is the case. Uh, Steve says, why do some even need scapegoats? I've never quite understood it. I, Whilst I understand why people need scapegoats, because they just don't like players or don't like coaches, and that tends to affect their judgment and their view of their formulation of opinions, um, I can't say that, you know, in recent times I've indulged in it. I certainly did when I was younger because you get very much easily sucked into kind of that world of scapegoating certain players. I think that people, you know, have, have easily fallen into that trap as I did in the past. Don't anymore because, you know, you develop your brain a bit more. But uh, I wouldn't certainly think about scapegoating the likes of Xhaka um, or Ben White now. I think that Xhaka, unfortunately, is, is in a bit of a whirlpool of criticism and he's finding it difficult still to escape that and probably will never escape it totally, especially if some of the mistakes he makes keep on happening. But I think if we're honest, his best years have come under Mikel Arteta at the club. I think Mikel Arteta has been able to get the best of Granit Xhaka and turned his career around. And I think we've benefited from that as well. I'd love to see a player come in that's better than him because it means a better squad. But I think the fact that it's very difficult to find a player that improves upon Granit Xhaka for what he gives to the team is a credit to him and it presents a challenge to the club to try and find someone to bring in that will upgrade upon Granit Xhaka. Uh, let's go to uh, Schrodinger's Catflap, who says, uh, I'm right behind Arteta and this team uh, this season. Come on, you gunners. Johnny says, Tom, if the window ended now, what would you rate it out of 10? If it ended now, I'd probably give it a 7. I think I'd at the moment in time, it's a 7.5 because there's still time left to go. I'd give it a seven. The reason why I give it a seven, because of course, we've still got a lot of players we need to move on. And that's a key factor. I love the business that we've done, but there are two areas I still think that are in desperate need of uh, recruitment. It would not left center back because if it ended right now, Marie is still an Arsenal player. So he covers that left center back a bit, but we still need for me a better option in attack. And we need another option in midfield. And that midfield option for me is so crucial it forms a really big part of my rating for this window. And if we don't bring in that centre midfielder, I am going to be very disappointed in, in the window ultimately as a whole. And I hope that we do do it because we desperately need to bring someone in that strengthens that area. We've needed it for like the past three transfer windows. So if we don't do that this summer, I will be disappointed. So right now I would give it a 7.5. If it was to end now, I would give it a 7. Um, but I think that there's easily scope for this window to become a 9 out of 10 before the window closes. Uh, Gunnar Legend says, if we end up selling Tillemans on the cheap, I hope Edu gets the credit he deserves. Absolutely, me too. Uh, Nizakit says, uh, Tom, uh, would you keep Pepe? As I don't think there is a better right wing out there for 20 million. It depends on who we bring in. It depends on who's out there. Uh, let's wait and see what happens. Uh, Jason says, Tom, what player impressed you the most in the documentary? Um, without, you know, I don't really want to spoil too much. Uh, so I can't give you a reason as to why. Arteta is impressive, uh, as you would, you will be unsurprised to know. Um, and, and I would, who, who's impressed me the most? 
I'll say Ramsdale. You know, I think Ramsdale is quite impressive as well. I won't tell you why, because I don't want to spoil it for you. Um, but yeah, Arteta and Ramsdale are two standouts in the first three episodes, which is probably one of the reasons why I got to sit down with Ramsdale and chat to him, because he features uh, within it. Uh, Ugang says, uh, Tom, is there stories that we wouldn't sign a midfielder? There's no stories that we're not going to sign one yet. That may certainly emerge towards the end of the window. But as of right now, the information is that Arsenal still want to sign a central midfielder this transfer window. Uh, let's go to Dan, who says, Tom, we have the youngest team in the Premier League. Regardless of coaching, uh, young people do make mistakes. Is it possible this could get Arteta into trouble if certain results don't go his way? Well, of course, last season we had a very young squad and we only just missed out on top four. I think the reasons why we lost a lot of games as we did was because of that young squad still. I think a lot of it was to do also with some of the errors that were made from a managerial point of view and all those factors combined to us ultimately missing out only by a couple of points on top four. I think that this season we've added some really good experience, even though they're 25 years of age, Zinchenko and Jesus add so much experience to this team. Uh, it's invaluable. And the fact that they've still got, you know, five, six, seven, maybe even eight years at the top level, who knows? Uh, we'll see. Um, but I think there is so much more to come from this Arsenal team. And the additions that have been made have really, really helped Arsenal take their squad to that next step. But I think we can push it even more with further additions between now and the end of the window. Um, uh, it's only because I interviewed. No, look, as we all sat down in that room and chatted with Ramsdale, it's not because of that. It genuinely... He features quite heavily in the first uh, couple of episodes and how he talks about the process uh, of being an Arsenal player and actually speaking to him in person, how he speaks about the struggles of, you know, being a footballer. You know, he describes, and you can go and read the interviews, of course, over on Football.London that we've done um, and the words that Ramsdale says, with there more to come from another player next week. Um, you know, he talks about how being a footballer can be the best. And this isn't in the documentary, so it's not a spoiler. Um, but he talks in the interview about how being a footballer can be the best job in the world and then the worst at the same time. You know, they aren't... Uh, the documentary is not, um, what's the word, coy. It's not secretive. It doesn't cover up the aggressive bluntness of some of the abuse he got. And I think that he responds to that when talking about it very, very well. Um he talks about just turning off all comments, never turn them back on. You know, he still hasn't turned them back on. Um, he doesn't, he only gets to see tweets and messages from people he follows and he chooses to see. So if you've ever tweeted Ramsdale hoping to annoy him, if you've ever tweeted him telling him that you never wanted him to sign, he didn't see any of that after a certain point. So you wasted your time. Um, and he's never been tempted to turn those comments back on. And that's definitely helped protect him and made him feel safer because the only people that he said he needed to impress was Arteta and his teammates and, of course, his family. And he certainly feels that he's done that. I think he's definitely justified that move. And I look forward to continue seeing him to justify that move as well. Um, thanks, Marble Halls. Appreciate that. Uh, love the hard work channel. Really looking great. Keep it up. Cheers, fella. Uh, let's go to uh, Chris, who says, Tom, did you see... Uh, or chat to any other players, or just Rambo. <laughs> Can't talk about it yet. Uh, wow, so surely Chelsea get top four if they drop another load of cash, buying the likes of Fafana, Kukurea, uh, Connie uh, Chukwameka, uh, and possibly uh, De Jong. Seems unlikely we get top four unless Spurs flop. Look, Chelsea have added some interesting players, but I think what's important to point out is that the idea of adding Fafana, Kukurea, and Frankie de Jong, 
you know, that's going to cost 200 million for those three players, surely. That's a hell of a lot of money. I don't, I know they've got a new owner and all, but they've spent like 100 million last summer on Lukaku. They spent 200 of million plus, I think closer to 300 million the season before that. You know, FFP, you know, to start taking a look. I know they sell very well, um, but it's a lot of money. So a lot, a lot of money. Uh, I didn't talk to Tielemans. <laughs> that was not who it was. Uh, Dan says, uh, with Fabio and rumours of another centre midfielder, uh, could us not having to rely on Xhaka be a way of unlocking something from him we haven't seen? Look, Dan, I think that Arteta is trying to unlock something more uh, from Granite Xhaka by playing him in this slightly advanced role with Partey playing as the number six. And I think we have seen the best of Xhaka from his time at Arsenal during his time under Arteta. He is definitely what I would say is one of the success stories of Arteta's tenure is Granit Xhaka. I think we've seen the best from him. There's still the characteristic traits of red cards, but I think, you know, I don't, whilst he gave that penalty away at Manchester City, I think that was an incident in isolation. Um, And I think that the red cards and that moment aside, you know, we've seen the best of him, but you're never going to get rid of that other part of his game. He even speaks about it. I remember we did the interview with the Football Tribune where he talked about he's never going to change. You know, you can't change who he is. That's, that is who he is. And he's successful when he's successful because of that. Um, and he fails when he fails because of that. And that's why we can upgrade upon him. But it is going to be very, very challenging to be able to do that. And that is a credit to Xhaka more than anything. Um, Steve says, what's the minimum we need to achieve this season? Uh, Champions League qualification, mate. That's the minimum expectation from me. The absolute minimum is Champions League qualification. Has to be the minimum. We need to go as high as we can, though. I want to see us surprise people. I want to see us, you know, close the gap with Liverpool and City. That's got to be what we're trying to do, is closing the gap to the top teams. You know, forget top four for a second. Arsenal, you know, we should be looking, as every team should, to finish as high as they can. We're not entitled to be title winners. We're not entitled to anything. But we should be aiming to get to the top of the Premier League. That's what our aim and objective should be. And that's what we should be looking to do is close the gap as much as we can to those teams. You know, we've begun to turn things around and move in the right direction. The Champions League qualification is the minimum. but We need to close that gap with Liverpool and City. And I'm hoping that we can do that next year. And the fish says, what's my predictions for the top six? Uh, I think I said on the hybrid squads, City, Liverpool, Arsenal, Spurs, Man United, Chelsea. I might end up swapping, uh, sorry, Chelsea, Man United. Uh, not Man United are definitely sick for me. Uh, top four will be tough as it stands. It's going to be tough, but every season is tough. It's no, there's no givens. There's no handouts in the Premier League for top four, especially. You've got to earn it. You've got to get there. And that's what Arsenal have got to try and do next year. Um, that training clip, says Amira, tells me that Arteta is willing to try literally anything to help this team succeed. Yeah, look, he's inventive. He's different. He's He thinks outside the box at times, and you're going to see that. And sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't work. And that's obvious with the Liverpool situation that you've all seen with the trailer. Um, but there's more. You know, we've seen the, the team talk ahead of Norwich that came out. That worked. You know, they won the game and turned the things around after first opening three defeats. The thing at Anfield didn't work. And we came off the back of, what, 10, 11 games unbeaten? when we went into that game against Liverpool. And if we if we had beaten Liverpool that day, we would have gone above them in the league. You know, in what, December? I think, no, uh, end of November, I think that was. Yeah, end of November that was. So 
at the end of November, we could have gone above Liverpool with that win. And that kind of told you how the season really turned around after the opening first three defeats. We really did change things. And that's the difference between the Arsenal that we've got then and an Arsenal that we need to get to. It's a team that can go to Anfield, cope with the pressure, a bit more like we did in the League Cup semi-final, you know, when we got a draw with 10 men and nil-nil. Good, really good result. Not many teams go there and keep a clean sheet. I think we were the first team to keep a clean sheet at Anfield for a ridiculous number of games. You know, that that's what we need to try and do. And drawing a game doesn't sound fun, but if you're drawing at Anfield, that's a big result. And that's the difference. It's, it's stopping the runaway train of goals that we've often fallen to at places like the Etihad and at Anfield and sometimes at Stamford Bridge. You know, we need to stop that and start being more strong we will concede at times it's obviously it's going to happen and we will lose games this season you know when that happens there will be inquests there will be frustration there will be sadness and anger but it's how we respond to those losses you can't win every game and when we don't we need to be able to respond to that in the best possible way and that's the challenge of this Arsenal team is how we respond to those bad moments if we don't have the best result against Palace which is the most for me the most difficult game of the opening five games of the season you know, it's about how we respond if we don't get a, a result that we want in that game. We're going to lose eventually. We're going to drop points eventually. It's about how we react. And also, we're going to concede. You know, in those moments of when we concede, Arsenal, I think, only managed to turn one result around last season when we conceded first. But that was the Wolves game. I'm struggling to think of another game where we conceded first in the league and then won the game. I, anyone in the chat box, if you're able to give me another example. But I'm pretty sure... Leeds was the only result where we conceded first and then won the league game. We need to change that because we will concede first in games this season. And it's about how we respond in those moments. That's going to be a big, big part of this season. Uh, composure, confidence. And having a young team means that when you do concede, you know, the head's dropped. And that needs to change. That needs to change next season. And hopefully it does. I'm going to be bringing you a preview show tonight. Our members are going to be back for a brand new season talking about the Crystal Palace game. So make sure you join me at 6 p.m. UK time this evening um, as we look ahead to the game against Crystal Palace. I look forward to uh, all of that and more. Do drop a like on the video. Subscribe to the channel if you're new. Go over to my review on football.london. Of, it's a spoiler-ish free review. Uh, so it's, it won't spoil too many things at all, to be honest. I tried to avoid as many spoilers as I could. And when you do watch it, and I include this in the in the article, maybe slightly spoilery, so turn off now if you if you don't want to know. Um, but look out for the a moment in that first three episodes where I think it's a big example of where Abamyang begins to undermine his position as captain and undermine his position toward Arteta. There is a moment in the first three episodes. Um, as we lead towards that, that that controversy that will happen later. But then look out for that. And then tweet me and tell me if you spotted what it was. That's what I'm intrigued to see if people spot what it is. I'll cover it, of course, in my Things Missed breakdown that we're going to do over the weekend uh, when I'm on the Stag Do. So that'll be a pre-recorded episode. Make sure I try and put that out at an 8 a.m. time sort for you so there's something that you're not missing. Um, but uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Appreciate your time. Drop a like, subscribe if you're new. And as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90 plus minute. 
all your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dip in and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your delivery. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.